0: Welcome into the Alani Enquirer podcast, Jeremy Warner, Alani Enquirer publisher here, and it is Monday, October 5th, and Monday means I meet with Mike Carpenter. It's Mondays with Mike. What's up, Mike? How you doing, man? all
1: about the alliteration. You got the Monday, you got the mic. And I even do that in my writing classes. We have the source Thursday. Would you rather Wednesday, Friday free for all. So it's all about the alliteration. We figured that out about, uh, during all those 93, five seconds.
0: What is it about the alliteration that is so satisfying? Cause I use it as much as I can in my writing carp. Um, I am a big fan. I don't try to push it, but if there's like a word that I can use that actually has, like you said, thesaurus, that has the same meaning, but it's like three words in a row with mm-hmm. the same one, I, I'm, I'm going to find a way to do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's fun to say. For one, it's fun to say. And then even if it's not that clever, you still feel kind of clever for coming up with it. So I think <laughs> Mondays with Mike, it rolls out the tongue. It sounds official.
0: It sounds fun. To me, it's like dad jokes. Once you become a dad, you just gravitate towards them. I just gravitate towards the alliteration, even if it's a little lame
1: though in fairness even though i'm not a dad i think it's an age thing because once i hit 30 dad jokes did become funny so whether or not you got a kid or not i think that you know your sense of humor changes but i mean i i'm trying to think of all the different things five at five on friday probably being the first one and then once we figured out well that kind of works every successive segment that we came up (laughs) with had to have alliteration and if it didn't It was square peg round hole. We would find some way to get consecutive sounds in
0: front of one another. Well, Carp, we were just chatting before we got on here. What what a week of news. Uh, I I think it was kind of actually normal at this point with sports, even though it's a crazy time. Um, but yeah, what, what a week it's been, um, but it's actually been a quieter week for Illinois uh, as Illinois football is just kind of getting into the training camp, and uh, with us media not there, we're getting access, and kudos to Illinois for, for getting us access to the coaches and players and and getting as much of what they say, Carp about what's going on, whether it's a right guard battle or whether it's uh, who's standing out among the freshmen. We're getting little bits and pieces like that. I'm excited as a reporter, Carp, because on Tuesday we are scheduled for the first time this calendar year. I haven't talked to this guy since December 30th, 2019, and that's Brandon Peters. The Atlanta quarterback is going to be made available to us. Now, he declined some interviews in the offseason because Brandon doesn't love talking to the media. I think he likes talking ball. He doesn't like talking like how he feels about certain things. He's just a quieter guy. Um, but he, we were supposed to talk to him in August but we were scheduled to talk with him on the day the Big Ten postponed. So are you looking forward to hearing anything from your starting quarterback in year two? Nothing
1: specific, but you mentioned the last week in the world was very loud, very busy, and I'm okay with quiet. So this is a great time for a quiet guy to talk quietly about the season coming up. And I'm thinking about how yesterday one of the news bits that came out, and I think it was confirmed today, was Wisconsin's quarterback, and the foot injury, and I'm thinking, okay, isn't it nice that we sit here, I guess, 18, 19 days before the first game, and we're getting into those game week storylines. So whatever Brandon Peters says, it could be not the most informative press conference. It could be very kind of cliche, and if it's a quieter guy, he's probably just going to say the right things he needs to as a quarterback, but it's nice to get back to that rhythm of reading those Q&A, press conference clippings, and I, i'm okay with vanilla I, yeah. i'm fine with vanilla leading up to this it's kind of a refreshing break
0: well and it's 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 fun to hear like rod smith and lovey smith both say the name kyron cumby out of nowhere right and be like yeah. ooh, ooh, that that's a guy that i might have interest in uh, it's just fun to start getting that again but thinking of jack cone uh, who's suffered a foot injury doubtful i would say the best to play against illinois um cone is kind of that next line of wisconsin quarterback that you kind of underrate and he's actually mm-hmm. pretty good in that system um but he was really good last year uh illinois did pretty well against him but for the most se- season he was good now graham mertz i believe is the, the backup he's a more athletic guy and that usually is given illinois trouble but if this is his first big 10 start Illinois should have the quarterback advantage, at least going into that game. Now, defensively, I got questions about Illinois' front four car, but uh, that that's an, an interesting storyline going into this game that there's many games this year where Illinois could actually have the quarterback advantage, right? Like Purdue, they should have the quarterback advantage. Um, not Minnesota, not Ohio State, but more, I think, than not, you're at least even or better, or you should feel better about your quarterback situation with Brandon Peters.
1: Yeah, it's been a long time since you could say that. I think with Wisconsin starting that backup, potentially, it's that old adage of the devil you know uh, and the devil you don't. And which one do you prefer? And if it is a more athletic, true sophomore or not, never started a game, if it is a more athletic quarterback, that is a concern, I think, with Levy's defense where Wisconsin and the style of offense they run, for whatever reason, that plays more into the hands of a Lovey Smith defense than, let's say, a spread them out kind of team, where Purdue, they could line up anybody under center, and as long as it wasn't a washout like it was in West Lafayette last year, that offense scares me, especially now that Rondale uh, Moore is back. But, yeah, I I think it is an interesting position to be in as a Illini fan, and I would have to go back to, I guess, Nathan Sheelhaus. And you could argue (laughs) West Lunt, depending on the matchup, but I I think this is the first year where you feel all things considered – It's at least a wash in terms of the eight game schedule, quarterback advantage. And, yeah, it's a unique position to be in as an Illini fan.
0: Yeah, like Adrian Martinez, you could argue Nebraska's in a better situation, but he wasn't very good last Maybe. year, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I know he was against Illinois, but he, he wasn't very good last year. Um, and that's where you wonder, like, yeah, I think it's more often, like, you're in an actual quarterback battle now. And I think I'm starting to feel that for most areas of the team, Carp, And I, you mentioned Wes Lunt. I was just on a phone call with Wes Lunt, and he thought Brandon okay. was really, really good last year. And uh, part of the conversation I had with him is just about personality, because Wes, I mean, with the media, with <laughs> us, like Wes loved talking ball. And, and yeah. I, I had a conversation with him for just 20 minutes here right before I got on the call with you. And he just said, Brandon's got to be himself. And he does bring swagger, right? Like Brandon trash-talking Michigan State, even the bowl game, you could tell he had a little bit of swagger with the way he was making some plays and trying to carry his team. So I like that. I don't, I don't need the quarterback to, to be Nathan Shoehouse as a speaker um, or as a leader. But uh he works hard, man, and uh, I just feel like that position is definitely improved with him.
1: Yeah, worst case he's a middle of the pack Big Ten quarterback, and that's enough to get you wins. Yep. I, I remember last year watching that bowl game, and I think everybody recognized it when he made that dive towards the pylon or the, the first down marker, and I think it was actually marked short, which is just a total line I think. Like the marketable <laughs> image that we have, it still wasn't good enough for first down, it was but it's still it technically
0: a up. failure of a play. Yeah,
1: right. But regardless, I'm thinking of how, with Brandon Peters, you mentioned the swagger element of it, and whether it be the comeback at Michigan State, what I would even argue the first three quarters against Iowa, where it was a competitive game, and you didn't feel as if he was a liability out there. Now, that's step one, feeling like, well, my quarterback is not a liability. Step two is, can he go out there and make winning plays consistently? In this condensed season, that will be the question. Now, I do think that he has tools around him. Specifically, we all feel good about the offensive line. Yep. They stay healthy. That's going to be a strength of the team, and that opens everything else up. You have some proven commodities like a Josh Amaterbebe. You really like the running backs, and I think the coaches do too. Yep. The tight end position is something that I think – I can't call it underrated when he got Luke Ford making his first appearance, and he got Daniel Amaterbebe as well, and Barker. So you have three guys, legit tight ends, and I always view that position as a sort of safety valve. Yep. Something breaks down – you got to tie it in on a slip pattern or something like that that can bail you out of a bad situation. So it does seem as if if there is a year and a roster that is equipped to help out Brandon Peters, who we would all agree is an above average to good quarterback, why not let this be the year where everything kind of coalesces and he turns out to be a top five, top six Big Ten quarterback? That would be enough for four or five wins.
0: The interesting part about the season, of course, Carp, is you don't have a warm up to like feel good about yourself or to mm-hmm. figure out what your weaknesses are. You just go straight into Wisconsin, which for a team that doesn't have a uh, you know, a lot of answers on the defensive line is a huge concern, but I'm thinking about this for basketball too. Like this season is just going to be zero to 60 and, and nothing. And it's not going to let up because you have no off weeks in football basketball is going to have little off weeks, right? Um, And what we're trying to piece together right now is the schedule and what it could look like. And Brad Underwood, I think, said to Andy Katz a week and a half ago that he still has a blank slate for his non-conference schedule. Sounds like it's going to be 20 conference games, which is awesome. Uh, I love Big Ten, and it's just going to be an entertaining season as long as nothing terrible happens during it. But uh, the Arizona game, unsurprisingly, has been pushed to next year, which is a shame for Illinois and Illinois fans. Because to have Arizona come this year uh, to State Farm Center with a huge crowd, a top ten team, and at least had the chance carp to kind of be that Wake Forest moment, right? Like this is this is Illinois's arrival on the national stage. They're back to being a premier team in the league, but it does sound like they're going to have a chance to be have a huge top ten early matchup that Illinois might get in on the Jimmy V Classic, according to multiple reports, and play Baylor which is a top 10 team. And Scott Drew's had an unbelievable program there. So regardless, you can tell Brad Underwood's trying to put together a very difficult and a very fun schedule.
1: Yeah. The logistics of it would be maddening. I'd I feel like, because depending on the school, how safe do you feel in bringing whatever directional school from whatever state into the state farm center, feeling as if they got all their ducks in a row that you're going to keep your guys safe and not, I mean, that that's the big concern, right? Is that, for COVID 19, and we're all sick of hearing about it, understandably so. But when you see even the NFL that seemed impenetrable, and then they have issues, and it looks like they'll be able to write it out.
0: And the numbers ain't getting better, Carp. And, no. and, and I think we should be concerned. We haven't really talked about it yet. And maybe it's something I need to ask Lovey, but the numbers in Wisconsin are, are really, really concerning. And, and across the country, I mean, I, I, with me saying this, there are going to be people listening. Oh, I panic, and you're pan. Oh no! I mean, the numbers are very concerning. Okay, yeah. and um, we can see that the MLB, the the NFL, and even college football are still having disruptions. Doesn't mean the season's not going to happen. The season's going to happen, but we could still have disruptions here, and nothing is guaranteed.
1: Right, and I don't want a non-conference disruption to ultimately impact part of that 20 game big 10 schedule i think it's interesting that as they try to get this non-conference schedule it sounds as if brad underwood is trying to do it in a manner that isn't all that dissimilar from how you would normally do it which is you find schools to come in you pay them a little bit of money and then you move on about your life but in this climate what schools can you trust have the protocols in place where you know dude on the end of the bench He definitely doesn't have it. And then the handshake, which I doubt there's going to be handshake lines, but you know what I mean. There's just the idea that we're going to carry off a non-conference schedule. And in my mind, a fairly meaningless non-conference schedule in the grand scheme of things. you got 20 conference games. Illinois bread and butter in terms of getting the seating that they want, in terms of getting the national attention they want. It's probably not going to happen in November or December. The Baylor opportunity, though, does give them something where even one signature win early on, I think validates the early preseason praise they're getting. And it wouldn't really matter. I don't think after that, uh, who they played, they could play a bunch of scrubs. And as long as they got a Baylor win, you have that signature November, December non-conference thing in your pocket.
0: We know it's not going to all be scrubs because they're playing the big 10 ACC challenge too. Um, and given that they finished top four last year, Carp, uh, who do you want? Who do you want from the, are you hoping for Duke? Are you hoping for Louisville? Like what, what are you hoping for here? Duke
1: <laughs> at Cameron Indoor when there's no Cameron crazies there. That'd be perfect. You win at Duke. Check that off. At Check Duke off. win
0: in the record book. No one, <laughs> like, I, it's a footnote that it was during COVID. Mm-hmm,
1: right. <laughs> and if I recall, 25 years after you last won Cameron <laughs> Indoor, I think that was Lou Henson's last year, it was 95 96. And Bryant Notree and that Alani roster went in there and got the surprise win, which ultimately that Alani team didn't even make the tournament. But uh, yeah shoot big you know I think Duke Louisville you're looking at probably what the one and two in the ACC North Carolina good but not great by their standards so I want the blue blood I want Duke specifically at Duke because that would maybe not be the Wake Forest arrival moment in terms of us being able to share in it at the State Farm Center but it would be something that the nation would all be watching and think whoa Mm-hmm. Illinois is back to where they were 15 20 years ago.
0: And, and I know ESPN's going to draw no matter who the Duke opponent is in the Big 10, but Illinois is a draw. I mean they're they're a national TV draw cuz they know how that fan base is. I would assume is a marketable star. Kofi Coburn is interesting, Brad Underwood's, you know, the the rise of this program again I think is is really really interesting. All right, Carp. before we let you go, let's take a quick break and we'll talk about our Bears. They are who we thought Mm. they were. And Mm -hmm. uh, a storyline from the NBA Finals. I'm wondering if you're enjoying it or you're ruining it. Uh, We'll talk about that next. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to fantasy baseball today. Part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. All right, Carp, our Bears only go undefeated for three weeks. A 3-1 and start, I think we all should say, is a, is a huge success for this Bears organization, especially given there was a quarterback change in the middle of it. How did you feel with a boring, it was a pretty boring game, um, which is the way Colts play, but 19-11 to uh, loss for the Bears, a lot of field goals for the Colts, and the Bears didn't score a touchdown until late in the fourth quarter. How did you feel coming out of that one?
1: Well, bored is the best word you could use to describe it. it. It was a long game, and it might have even been just game time, three hours, ten minutes, something like that. It felt like a slog from the very get-go, and it was reminiscent, take the emotion out of it, but last year, the way the season opened up against Green Bay at home, and that had a lot more hype and pomp and circumstance, but you watch it, and you're two hours into it, and you're thinking, I I haven't experienced any emotion Or any excitement? Why am I watching this? So here's the good news. The Colts, they play boring brand of football. Phillip Rivers is a great fit for what they are trying to do this year. And it kind of reminds me a bit of maybe the Kyle Orton Bears. I know Mm -hmm. that Phillip Rivers is far more accomplished. But he's essentially being asked to be a very good game-managing quarterback with a defense that is one of the best defenses in the NFL. So the good news is not every defense you play, including Tampa Bay, is going to be as good as the Colts. The problem is, offensively, that that little creeping doubt comes in where, well, what if it wasn't just Mitch? Oh, well,
0: it wasn't. What if, it wasn't.
1: And, and we know that. We know yeah. that. But it's more of a question of to what extent yeah. is Nagy in the scheme? Now, I still think after one game, I'm not willing to give up on that. And his record overall speaks pretty highly of his coaching abilities. But I, I do wonder, why is it that this offense, regardless of who's under center, will go through these prolonged stretches where they just
0: can't score. I think once Foles came in and did what he did against the Falcons, right? Um, I think Bears fans all of a sudden, maybe because they're 3-0, right? You're feeling good and you're like, hey, man, what if we beat the Colts? We go 4-0. Foles has won a Super Bowl. Foles hasn't been a very good starting quarterback outside of that stretch with the Eagles, right? Um, He's not a huge improvement over Mitch. What he is is he's more reliable. He's less mistake-prone. And that's what yesterday turned into, was which team doesn't make the mistake. And the Bears had you know, a couple mistakes where they didn't finish drives. They had the one interception that was part on Foles, but mostly on Anthony Miller, who's been really inconsistent. Uh, And Foles missed a couple open throws, right? So Rivers didn't make many mistakes. They, They didn't score touchdowns, and kudos to the Bears' defense for that. But the Colts' defense is better than the Bears' defense. And the Bears couldn't run the football. Like, what What I've been most encouraged about early on is David Montgomery and that run game have been pretty good. And when you shut that down and you're going Nick Foles and Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller and a group of tight ends that still isn't very good, and Mooney's a nice surprise, but that's not Tyreek Hill, right? Like, you're just limited. You're just really limited if you can't run the football. And their offensive line remains an issue. And, and I. I came away, carp. that's what I thought the Bears were. I came away thinking, the Colts are pretty good. Uh, that that defense is, is pretty dang good, and they remind me of kind of the 49ers last year, where it was like, and they got DeForest Buckner as a big part of that, but they remind me of a team that's not going to make a lot of mistakes. They didn't run the football very well, but they have a great defense that I think is one of the best in the league. So I came away a little bit more impressed with the Colts, then disappointing the bears because the bears kind of played up to what my expectations were for them even though they were 3 and 0.
1: I think that's fair. You were starting to hit on how the lack of weapons on offense mm-hmm. and tree Cohen that that is a loss. I think he's a nice tool to have, not necessarily a guy that's going to carry you, but you take that out. Well, what? Now Cordero Patterson is getting actual carries at running back apart from a few gadget plays? That's a problem. Uh, Cole Kmet I, he's a rookie. Right, I still wonder what was the point, right? Why, right? If, if when you have other
0: areas, right? And that's the thing. when you sign Jimmy Graham and Kokemat, I think could be a really good player. But this is a, this is a coach and a GM that are on the hot seat now. So I would have thought receiver in a receiver loaded draft. And you've seen guys like Brandon Ayuk play really well. I mean, this has been a, Lavisca Chenault has been really good. Um, they seem to go all in on Anthony Miller. And while we've seen flashes, especially last year, of him that guy is looking more and more like a, a bad pick to trade up in the second round for him. I, I like Montgomery. I like how hard he runs. He's not a game-breaker, but they need to use him more. Um, but I think Mooney is your second guy right now, and that that's that's a problem. Um, it is a problem. Yeah. Anthony Moore needs to be there, and that's why they have to pay probably, unless they're going to rebuild. They have to pay Allen Robinson because he's a legit number one on most NFL teams.
1: The other concern too is defense which i know that yet again in the second half the defense was fine but i also don't know how aggressive the colts were being I, I i don't know why it seems that most defensive plays this year and this is two years removed from an all-time bears defense that just basic tackling oh. it's like it's like the the opposing running backs and wide receivers are slippery or something and they, it takes three guys and the third guy will get them down But that's after the first two actually, you know, lay a hit and and can't do it themselves. And it was very frustrating to watch that. Eddie Jackson is puzzling.
0: He's been bad this year.
1: He has been.
0: And Trevathan's been bad.
1: (laughs) Trevathan's just slow (laughs) and old.
0: No, Roquan was really good. Roquan Mm -hmm. was really good. I think Khalil Mack, he hasn't had the sacks, but he's still been very disruptive. Uh, Quinn's been okay. They miss Eddie Goldman. Akeem Hicks has been great. I think Hakeem Hicks and Roquan and Khalil are still really, really good. I thought Fuller had a bad game. Um, I didn't think. I, I thought the secondary for the most part. I think Gibson had a good game. But uh, Jalen Johnson looked like a rookie at times, especially with his run uh, stopping. And, um, yeah, they, they're not as good as I thought the defense was going to be.
1: You know what it shows, and this is just – I run in this trap every time, especially with my football teams, that when they have a really good season, it – it is impossible for me to not look two, three years down the road and say, you know what, if they keep this core intact, they're set. But we know from the NFL that's not the case, that you need an excellent GM and you need a great coach and you need – actually, more than that, you need an organization that knows what they're doing, and I don't know if the Bears are one of those. So it's, it's not really a championship window. I yeah. mean, when they miss the kick – I mean, this is what made that – and not to rehash it, but when Cody Parkey misses that kick, I kept telling myself, it's okay – They'll be back next year, and the year after that, they're young. They got the big guys on defense under control. It doesn't work like that. Right. So really, that kick missing is that much more devastating, knowing that it is kind of a one-shot deal in the NFL, unless you're the Patriots or, I guess, the Chief, NFC, no. like the Saints or something like that. Unless
0: you got one of those quarterbacks, right, or a superstar in basketball. Like, this mm-hmm. reminds me of my White Sox when we like, build up for a year and go all in. But we didn't have the farm system coming up. We didn't like have the money to go sign somebody. So it's kind of like you're going all in on a year to make one playoffs, and that's a success, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of what this Bears thing kind of feels like, or the Bulls when they had Jimmy Butler and they go Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. It's like that's not a long term strategy. No. Right? <laughs> like that's that's what this Bears season looks like. And I'm in, I enjoyed three and zero, right? Like why not in, enjoy it if you make the playoffs? Cool. But at the end of it, it's like, okay, what does this team look like in a year or two? Like, is Nick Foles – Nick Foles is going to be this quarterback next year and maybe you draft another guy, but you trust Ryan Pace to do that. Matt Nagy, I think, is at least a competent NFL coach, right? But is he the guy you want long-term? Is this the offense you want? Like, why haven't we seen more success on that side of the ball, even if he runs a good locker room? Like, that that seems like an issue. Um, So – Those are the huge questions, even as we try to sit there and go like, how can they make the playoffs or will they make the playoffs this year? It's still the big picture questions for them, for the Bears. Do
1: they get a first round pick next year? It was a two year deal. Okay, good. So they do get a first round pick. But as you said, and this is the same thought I've had in my entire lifetime as a Bears fan is whether it be Jerry Angelo, who did pretty well in the second and third rounds. He seemed to do okay in the second and third rounds, but some of the first round guys were bust. Phil Emery, same sort of thing. I don't know what it is about this organization. Well, I, I do. I mean, the McCaskey's on down. This is an organizational problem where mediocrity is often accepted because they have old 85 back in their pocket. And you and I have talked about this, mm. that as Bears fans, it can be very frustrating to feel like there's one generation that continues to be able to go back to that well of memories. And you and I are sitting here thinking, okay, well, I yeah, wasn't was alive
0: oh. then. Like that was, that's how long ago it was. I'm not, I'm not young anymore. And that was, stop talking about that year. And even now, it's 0- 06, 07. That was fun.
1: <laughs> 13 they didn't win years ago. We,
0: so, we, we were sophomores <laughs> in college. When that right.
1: It's, it's almost, I mean, I'm trying to think Smith's been
0: it, in Illinois for five years now.
1: <laughs> so it, it, it is one of those things where in the NFL, which is structured in a way that teams can rise fairly quickly. Oh. And, and the Bears have seemed to chart this path of, mediocre to bad, and then it's punctuated every seven, eight years by a really good season that ultimately doesn't amount to much. So right. we can count it. O, o 05 and o 06, two good uh, consecutive years from Lovey. 2010, which resulted in the NFC title game loss to the Packers. That was fun. And then 2018. And that's four years really in our lifetime that they were, I guess, title contenders.
0: Oh one oh, one was a oh, one had oh, one. like the, this kind of year feel. Like if this team ended up going like 11-5, and five, that was like one right yeah. where it was just like they're not that good but they got lucky and you know they were mediocre to above average team and it worked out for them but they didn't do anything in the playoffs um so yeah uh one more thing before we let you go carp as a somewhat bulls fan are you enjoying watching jimmy butler uh, have this national spotlight or are you one of those bulls fans that right now is just going gar packs like how are you how does that balance right now
1: You mentioned the Rajon Rondo, Dwayne Wade era, (laughs) which was one year, all of one year, right? I I actually sat courtside for a game that year. It was the only time I've ever sat that close for an NBA game. So I saw Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. And even then we knew Jimmy Butler was very, very good. And it's amazing how sometimes these narratives get started from the powers that be in this case, I'm sure Garpax laid a few seeds. And then enough people ran with it to start this narrative that he was some sort of, not franchise killer, but not a guy that you could win a championship with, and we're seeing that's not necessarily the case. If it were not for the Lakers and how good they are, and the fact that they have what the two best players in the league, arguably, that's hard. To, that's hard for anyone to overcome. Two Jimmy of the top Butler's, five,
0: two of the top five for sure. Yeah. And I, I've always said I thought at one point Anthony Davis would be the best player in the world, and and then Giannis came along, right, and kind of took that. But if if you're telling me the top three players. I'd go LeBron, Giannis, and Anthony Davis in some kind of order,
1: and then there's Jimmy Butler, which now he's approaching. I mean, we know top ten for sure. I guess I should but- put
0: Durant and Steph in that category, but them being injured, I guess we t- we take them out for a second. But yeah, Butler, Butler's put him. I remember we, me and my brother went to a Bulls game, Carp, and I sat there and I said, "Is Jimmy Butler?" This was like before the Rondo year, and, and I go, "Is Jimmy Butler a top fifteen player?" And we started listing players, and we're like, "He arguably could be." But it just felt like the Bulls didn't have another way of getting one of those guys. Like, you didn't trust Garpax that they could entice one of those guys to go along with Jimmy. And and I kind of bought into, okay, let's just tank this, find a more talented guy at the top of the lottery. The problem is we didn't get to the top of the lottery, right? We weren't bad enough right. to get those odds, or we didn't get lucky enough. So we missed out on Luca, right? We, we missed out on some of those game-changing guys. and. Um, I don't think we ended up the worst of it. I mean, Minnesota or Philadelphia might end up the worst of all of that, but the heat certainly found the guy.
1: Yeah, they did. And it's going to be someone they can build their teams around for the next five, six years. And it, it's frustrating as a very, very casual bulls fan. So I don't want to get misconstrued. I grew up a Jordan fan. And and when the, there was the, the Rose years, or actually even back when it was the Chris Duhon, Kirk Heinrich, the teams that made Ben Gordon,
0: Lualdang. those teams that Some likable teams, man.
1: They were very likable teams. I guess the the end of the Scott Skiles era or Mm -hmm. Vinny Del Negro and his (laughs) three-year run. But with the Bulls, it's somewhat similar to the Bears where they remain interesting enough that you can't jump ship. But... You just look at missed opportunities and not I'm not going to compare Jimmy Butler's situation to not drafting Patrick Mahomes, right. apples and oranges. But there's enough anecdotal things in both histories of both fan bases where you look back and say, if only this, if only that. Yeah. And it's a frustrating place to be when these are two in terms of you know notoriety, public image, two awesome franchises. They got major pull in the NBA and the NFL and yet they can't seem to get out of their own way. Yeah. They can't seem to build any sort of long-term success and everything's so intermittent. You get a little taste here, a little taste there, but ultimately what you don't get championships. Right.
0: I think I think the satisfying part of this is I found Jimmy Butler um to be one of the most easily rootable guys with the Bulls, right? I mean, Derrick Rose was easy to root for and then the injury stuff happened then he had some off the court stuff that was really iffy, and then you had you know just the way he spoke and just how his camp handled everything. It was just like, okay, I'm done with this. But you yep. still had Noah and Butler and Thibs, and it was like that's that's an easy team. Like those guys get the most out of themselves. I never thought Jimmy could get this much out of himself. That he is a star and a superstar now. So I am enjoying like heck that Jimmy is having this moment. I still think the Lakers win this series because they have the two best players in this series by far, but uh, I think it's going to be tough for them. And and that's a kudos to Jimmy Butler. It's kudos to Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, everything we've want the bulls to epitomize um, the Miami heat kind of are as an organization. So I find myself really happy for Jimmy Butler because he could have been a bulls all time. Great. I mean, he is, but um, he could have been one of the most likable players in, in Bulls history. And, and they made the wrong decision, and at least Gar Packs are gone now. At least they are gone now, so I think it's it's easier to digest as a Bulls fan.
1: And it's amazing to see all the different NBA players, I mean, beyond just media writers, but beyond just basketball writers, but NBA players that tweet out time and time again how happy they are for Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And it's as if the guy, not blacklisted is too strong of a word, but a reputation developed that most of the guys in the NBA know is just simply unfair. So there seems to be this shared kind of, you know, celebratory, yay, Jimmy thing going on with actual NBA players, which leads me to think that Miami, which was already an attractive destination, you got Pat Riley at the top of it. Eric Spolster has proven that he's a really good coach, that he was not just a guy they put in there and Mm -hmm. LeBron and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade did their thing. You take all that together, that is a franchise that over the next four or five years becomes a place that – top three free agents, one look at. You pair that with Jimmy Butler and the young core that they have, there's no reason that they can't be, I don't know, perennial? Could we say yeah. that for a team out of the East? Because there's not many other teams in the East I look like look at and say, well, that's the obstacle for Jimmy Butler and these guys over the next four or five years.
0: And Bam Adebayo and healthy is a star. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tyler hero looks like a star, right? So I don't even know if they need to add a free agent. I think they should just keep drafting and developing the guys that they got because they got a good culture there. And how about Myers Leonard starting an NBA finals game, Kendrick Nunn being a part of this thing. Kudos for those guys. Carp have Mm -hmm. a little bit of an Illini flavor here.
1: Yeah, it was very cool to see that. And even Kendrick Nunn at the end of game one, and I think Anthony Davis said a, a quote in, yeah. in the post game about, well, we need to watch out for that Kendrick Nunn next time. So it is cool to see some Illini guys getting getting some pub and and also knowing that sooner rather than later, there will be more Illini guys, fresh faces in the NBA because as fun as it is to see Kendrick and Myers Leonard in there, it's been a while. Yeah. So it will be nice because Kendrick was not drafted from Illinois right? And, and I think had to get signed as an undrafted free agent. But yeah, you're in a position now where next – spring or next summer next summer whenever they do have the draft you're gonna have a couple guys chosen
0: well carp i don't know what's gonna happen in the world between now and the next time i talk to you but hopefully it's sure a, a little smoother of a week and it gets us one more uh, week closer to actual illinois sports carp always appreciate it, man
1: hey next monday we'll be able oh no that's not right but i guess two mondays from now we'll actually be doing a game preview yeah of an illinois
0: football game that's that's nice got a lovey smith press conference yeah we got always those exciting. <laughs> those are always man, shock Dude, full of preseason lovey's. Interesting though, preseason lovey, lovey's always in a good mood. It's it's mid season lovey sometimes. Yeah, it, it's yeah. interesting. Carp, but you H- know what?
1: Man. I'm I'm excited for uh after a bad loss in this year of all years. I'm excited for a disgruntled lovey press conference. <laughs> I, th- th- it brings a sense of normalcy that yeah. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Carp. We'll see you, man. See. you.
0: Great stuff as always with Mike Carpenter. We're going to do that every Monday throughout the season and academic year. And uh, maybe we'll take a little bit of a break when the off-seasons get here, but we've had a long enough off-season. We're getting ready for actual Illinois football this fall and basketball uh, to start shortly after that, so getting pumped for that. As always, appreciate you listening to the Illini Anguire podcast. Wherever you get our podcast, subscribe to us, rate us, review us. We appreciate when you do that. Later this week, we'll continue our position previews here on the podcast. And as I told Carp, I did catch up with Wes Lunt here recently. Talked to him about Brandon Peters, but also talked to him about one of Illinois' latest 2022 offers, uh, in-state kid who Illinois recently offered. Uh, he's got a connection to him, so that's 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 coming up on the site. I'll write a story about that. Derek Piper will have more on Illinois basketball recruiting on the site later this week. He says he's going to try to dive into Ty Ty Washington and Bryce Hopkins. And uh, he's got a big feature on a key Illini rotational player this year coming up as well. So keep up at IlliniInquiry.com for the latest news and information on your fighting Illini. And as always, we'll have the latest for you on the podcast as well. Thanks for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Everybody take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time.